Hello, and welcome to Coverage Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was published in 19, or was written by J.K. Rowling. It was mm-hmm. published in 1998, but the previous version, the UK version, which was published first, was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and that was published in 1997. Mm, okay. And then the uh, film adaptation was directed by Chris Columbus and came out in 2001. Yep. We're doing it. We are. The, the first of the Harry Potter stories the first of the harry potters <laughs> <laughs> there's so many harry potters the first harry potter to discuss yes so first thing we have to issue as is a disclaimer we are not harry potter experts no we like harry potter oh yeah absolutely but um this is not a harry potter analysis podcast there are plenty of mm-hmm. podcasts out there where all they do is analyze harry potter yeah absolutely it's like a Total mark like niche market. There's like a million of them, which is awesome. Anyone who's listened to our episodes, you probably already know this, but we just wanted to mention in case uh, there are new listeners. We mostly are talking about the differences between the book and the movie, mm-hmm. and we have our own thoughts and opinions. But again, this is just kind of like for fun. Um, so if you're looking for kind of like a deep dive into Harry Potter, yeah, you might want to try something else. If you want to know uh, what McGonagall studied in grad school. Uh, or any other fine minutia of Harry Potter lore. Yeah. Or um, Snape's favorite tea or whatever. <laughs> We're not going to know it. <laughs> we, we do not know it. This was actually my first time rereading the books since I was like, Jesus, like 10 myself or something. Mm-hmm. I, so we just want to say, please don't be offended if we get some things wrong or if we don't go like as deep as you would like mm-hmm. in on this Harry Potter book. Yeah. We're just kind of here to talk about the adaptation and also just to have fun. So yeah. yeah, and there's plenty of fun to be had, I think. Oh, yeah. Harry Potter is all about fun. I, I was just thinking like because we do have some international listeners that, you know, we should say instead of like the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, maybe we should just like mash them together like the for Sosifer's Stone, <laughs> Silofficers, you know? I like it, we'll just, yes. Yeah, we'll just pepper that throughout. <laughs> so no one's confused. Exactly. On the stone we're discussing. <laughs> so I would like us to talk about a little bit at the beginning our history with Harry Potter mm-hmm. and our experiences. Would you like to go first? Yeah, when did you, yeah, when did you first experience Harry Potter? <laughs> who who introduced you to him? Where were you? What were you doing? Uh yeah, no, I um I don't even remember when I first heard about it. Like I was for me early-ish on well, no, I, I shouldn't say that because, like, I think when I started, the fourth book had just come out or was coming out because mm-hmm. the first three I read in a row were in paperback and then the fourth one was hardback. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like how I remember where I was exactly. But uh, yeah, no, I, I just powered through it and I got to read the paperback copy this time that I got when I was like however old, like 10 years old, and I first Aww. read it. Yeah, so I got to reread that That's specific so book. And I remember when I was a kid and I finished reading it, my mom bought me the next one, like the very next day. It was like waiting for me after Aww. school. So uh, yeah, no, I mean, they're just wonderful books. Uh, I remember just powering through all of them, except for the fifth one, but we'll get to that <laughs> at a later date. But <laughs> yeah, no, they're just super readable, super great. And I have really good memories of them and the movies. And it's really cool that you were able to reread 
The first one, because you've never reread any no, of them. No, I've never picked up any of the Harry Potter books since. So how long has it been? Over 15 years? Oh, yeah. Long enough that like there were. And I was really curious about that because like my memories are definitely now steeped in the movie. Yeah. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, this adaptation is very, very accurate in most ways. There are some interesting little deviations, but um, mostly all of the plot points were intact. Yeah. So. But what about you? Tell me who got you hooked on Harry Potter. So interesting story. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast at all, but um, my parents were very uh, religiously conservative when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I didn't watch a lot of like movies, cartoons, listen to the like popular music that most people were familiar with. And there was this thing going around when Harry Potter was coming out where a lot of religious groups thought mm-hmm. that Harry Potter was all about teaching children witchcraft. Yeah, a lot of my, because I also grew up in a church, and a lot of my friend Kyle, his parents wouldn't let him read them for yeah. a while. Yeah, and which is silly to anyone who's actually picked up the book and started reading it. Yeah. Um. So I was not allowed to read the Harry Potter books when I was growing up. And when I was younger, I didn't really care because I didn't really know about it. All I knew was like, oh, that, they're bad. I can't read them. Um, but then when I was older, I was like a senior in high school. Oh, no, I tried to watch the movies on my own and I got in trouble. And you were like, fuck the system. Yeah, I tried to watch the <laughs> movies on my own. My sister and I were sneakily watching them when my parents were asleep. And then we got caught and we got in trouble. So... Then when I was in my senior year, my sister was a little bit younger than me. Um, she just started reading them on her own. She was just kind of like, fuck it. I'm going to read them. Yeah. And so she had these books that she was bringing home from a friend. And she was like taking the covers off them mm-hmm. to read them all around the house. And then I was like, well, if Annette's reading them, I'm going to read them. Yeah. So then I started reading them and I read them all in like. The span of like a month or two. Yeah. I read all seven. And that summer was when the last movie came out. Wow. Oh, yeah. So it was the final movie. And so I had just finished all the books. And so I went to like one of the movie premieres with Mm -hmm. a bunch of friends. We dressed up. It was really fun. Yeah, I used to do that too. Yeah, because I felt like I I got on the train right at like the last possible moment. Mm -hmm. But I was still able to experience some of the hype. Yeah. Which was fun. And so I enjoyed that. Yeah, the whole, like, Harry Potter book launches were really something, like, unique that I've never seen anything like that since. Where, like, I remember at Walmart, they just drove the pallet out onto the middle of the floor. <laughs> like, it was just a pallet of, like, solid books. Like. Wow. Like a feeding frenzy. People just, like, gathered, like, ah, and, like, you know, we're, like, getting them. But, like, I've never seen anything like that that I can think of since these books have come out. Yeah. So it's really, really something very specific and cultural in our generation that I think is really cool. Absolutely. Which is why it's very exciting to be doing episodes on these. I know. Yeah. So let's let's dive into it. Yeah. Into the Harry Potter mythos. Yes. And let's start out with a very interesting beginning, at least in the book. Yes. Where we start out with Vernon Dursley's perspective. Yeah, and this was, like, immediately, I was like, wow, I don't remember anything about this. But essentially, Vernon is out. He's going to his job where he sells drills. <laughs> Very specific. But uh, as he's out, he's looking around, and he's seeing all these people dressed in, like, wacky outfits. Um, what are some other things that he sees? Oh, uh, owls? owls everywhere. Yeah, he sees a bunch yeah. of owls. 
Uh, there's just like a lot of weird things going on that he's noticing. And it seems like he also even hears the name uh, Harry Potter, someone says. Yeah. Like around him and like he knows his nephew's name, if nothing else. Like even though he's never met him or seen him. Mm-hmm. Like he knows his name. So he knows. And he, I think he understands like the wizarding world at least knows his, its existence. And so yeah. he's kind of like freaked out, but like trying to remain calm. Mm-hmm. It was a very interesting, weird start to the story that I had forgotten about. It was, especially because he's not the hero of the story in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But it, it is kind of funny to have that, like, almost third perspective right at the beginning. You yeah. know, someone who's not connected with anything that's happening, who's just like, yes, yes, I'm going to work, and, like, all this weird shit is happening. <laughs> and when you're first reading the book, you literally have no idea what's happening either. Yeah. But then later when you're reading it again, or when you finish, you can look back and be like, oh, okay. Yes. But we get we also get our first glimpses of Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall in both the book and the movie when um, they drop off baby Harry. Yeah, they gather outside the Dursley's house. And this is kind of where the um, exposition is filled in of. Yeah. Voldemort, super bad dude. Couldn't even kill a baby, though. (laughs) 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 Fucked it up royally. (laughs) And they're just like, well, we have to leave him here now. And they literally leave him on a doorstep. Okay, listen, they don't even ring the doorbell. No. They just leave him there all night. Yeah. And I'm like, did McGonagall change back into a cat and, like, wait and make sure that, like, a wolf didn't, like, eat him? (laughs) Like, I know they're in the middle of, like this suburban area and everything's fine, but literally he's a baby on a doorstep. I know. I know. It's they like, didn't even like ding dong ditch. Like <laughs> I also think it's cool rereading them for the first time. Just like the subtle hints and name drops at other things coming up. Like Hagrid mentions that he borrowed the motorcycle from Sirius Black. Yep. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause like I, I knew um, J.K. Rowling had future books and like probably like everything planned out. Yeah. But I didn't know how established the breadcrumbs would be rereading them. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh shit, we're already getting references from like two books from now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so, really cool. It yeah. is. I enjoy it. And it's not like overly like. Nudge, nudge. Uh, this is a reference. Yeah. yeah. You're going to know what this means. So I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. But they leave Harry. And Harry grows up. They're like, he'll be fine. (laughs) We'll just leave him with his horrible, awful, terrible family that will abuse him emotionally and physically. Yes. Just, God, just be the worst people. Absolute neglect. Smash cut. It's 10 years later. Uh, Harry's grown up. He lives in the cupboard under the stairs with the spiders. (laughs) He's living his worst life, actually. In the movie, it looks like there's a lock on the cupboard door. Yeah, they so lock th- him in. So that they just lock him in. I'm like, what if he has to use the bathroom? I know. Like, what? <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. And then his uh, cousin, uh, Dudley, is just awful to him, picks on him, everything. I thought Dudley in the movie, I never really appreciated him as a good actor. Yeah. But like watching this movie, I'm like, he's really good. Like, especially out of like all of the child actors. Oh yeah. He's one of the better ones. I think definitely. Mm-hmm. He's just such a good shit. And he has more to do too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, it starts off basically with Dudley's birthday has arrived. Yes. And they're going to the zoo. They go to the zoo. Harry talks to a snake. One question I had was, do you think he's speaking in parcel tongue in this scene, but we just don't hear it? 
I'm guessing that's how I take it. Yeah. I think. When he's talking to the snake. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I interpret it. Like, based on what's talked about later on. Because we do know later that, like, when Harry Potter talks to snakes, in his head he's just saying things out loud to him. Yeah. And he doesn't hear himself being like, It's always the same thing. Yeah. It's that over and over again. It's only that. It translates to, I'm a snake. I'm a snake. That's all they say all the time. I'm a snake. 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 So Harry unleashes the snake on the zoo. And I really liked in the movie how Dudley falls into the enclosure. Yeah. And then the topper, the cherry on top of the scene is Dudley is then the glass reappears and he's like trapped, <laughs> trapped inside in of it. Oh my I thought God. that was like really well done. It was funny. Uh, and then after Harry is berated by his uncle for this, which we find out in the book, there's been a lot of weird things with Harry, like additional things with his hair. He kind of just like teleports places. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot more things peppered throughout, but uncle Vernon is just like, you're weird and I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) And then Harry gets a letter in the mail and he's not allowed to open it. And thus begins one of the funniest sequences in both the book and the movie. It's very, well, this was the most, I'm like, feels very rolled doll. I was just about to say yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. It's the very elaborate. The most in this part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kinda, and I think because it's like, you kind of have like evil uncle aunt characters. Yeah. And like. Who are fat. Who are fat, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Roll doll was very about like fat people being villains. Yes, absolutely. And I actually made a note about that because that is kind of something heavily equated in this story is like, oh, Dudley's heavy and uh, Uncle Vernon's fat. Yeah. And so they're evil. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I think. And also just being in a domestic setting, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just like very heavy in that. With idea. magic. It reminded me of kind of like Matilda a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we, we did an episode on. We so. did. Yes. Check that out. We also get one of our favorite lines of all time as Uncle <laughs> Vernon is trying to prevent the letters from showing up. When it gets to Sunday and he's just smugly sitting around, no, no post, post on, on Sundays. Sundays. <laughs> we say that all the time. <laughs> we do. Whenever we park in the city, yeah. uh, like on a Sunday and you don't have to pay for parking, I always just go, no post on Sundays. <laughs> we're, we're fun. We're so funny. We're great. <laughs> Uh, But of course, that doesn't stop the owls. No. And then Vernon takes them to a remote, like, abandoned island in the middle of the, like, fucking ocean. This part is so wacky. Yeah. But fun, you know? It's, like, really over the top, uh, but enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So they're on this island. They're in a shack. And then finally, it's Harry's 11th birthday. Mm -hmm. And who shows up but... Hagrid. Hagrid. Hagrid, who is in my heart forever. Hagrid, close to our hearts. He brings Harry a birthday cake. Yeah. That he made. For his birthday. For his birthday. I know. He's so sweet. He is. This is where we get a lot of information. Yes. Hagrid is kind of like the info dump. He is. Um, But it's done very well, I think. It is done well, yeah. Because we're getting to know Hagrid, and he's really funny. And sweet. There's a lot to his character. I love that he knits in the book. He sits down and starts knitting. Oh, yeah. Um, so we get a lot about 
Harry's a wizard. We talk about the wizard wizarding world. We talk about the fact that he was supposed to know about his parents being killed mm-hmm. um, by this evil wizard. Um, a lot of stuff is dumped on us and that Harry is going to go to Hogwarts, a school of witchcraft and wizardry. Mm-hmm. Also, he um, magically makes a tail on Dudley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, but also I'm like, do it to Vernon. Like, Dudley I know, is he's still, just a kid. he's a kid and he has yeah. shitty parents, so, like, he's a shit, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, so, but then Harry's just like, all right, peace, I'm I'm going with this guy. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I'm 11, but I can, I know I can trust this complete stranger this total, over all of you people. That's how horrible his family is. I know. And he's like, total random stranger. Anything's better than this. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, in the book, I thought it was super funny because they talk about they take the boat back. Yeah. And I was like, well, they got there on the boat. So how do Uncle Vernon and everyone get back off this island? <laughs> and maybe there were other boats or people there. I don't know. But we never got an explanation. No. And it looked hella abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe later when Harry, because Harry does go back home before school starts. I thought like they would say something like, yeah, you left us on the island. <laughs> You bitch. But it was never addressed again. No. They go to Diagon Alley. Yep. Harry gets his first introduction to the wizarding world, which is very exciting. This is an exciting scene in the book and the movie. Yeah. And I can really see why kids love it. Oh, it's just, I mean, first of all, there's something to the tangibility mm-hmm. of the set they made for Diagon Alley. Yeah. Like, you can tell so much of this is real. Mm-hmm. As where... I, I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on like CGI also would have been fine. You know what I mean? And probably what they would have done today, like yeah. for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But something about like, I don't know. You can just tell it's really there. It's really full of people. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many props and physical things around. And it's just like and it's not even there's some goofy things going on, but it's not like magic is flying everywhere. No, no. It's just like. People are shopping and there's magic. Yeah, I think this scene in the movie really captures that wonder and that like really opening up of the world Mm -hmm. that you have in the book. And I really love this scene in the book. And I think the movie does a great job capturing that because you're like, you're like Harry, you're just wandering into this world. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, this store. Oh, my God, this store and this thing um, and this bank. And I have money now and all of this stuff. It's uh, very exciting. It is. I also want to give a special shout out to the cinematography at this point. Yeah. Because I was kind of surprised. I think the Harry Potter franchise has a really interesting uh, history of how it developed, both in terms of like the actors and the maturity and like things like it it evolved a lot. And I think like the cinematography only gets better. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I was surprised by how many shots in this version I watched that I was like, that's a really nice shot. Just like, it's not overly elaborate or anything, but just like little things like. Mm-hmm. It's a well-made movie. It is. Like there's a shot that like is inside a shop window going across the Nimbus 2000 as Harry is outside looking in on it. Yeah. There's a shot in Gringotts Bank where like you see the big vault door going downward until it settles on the stone. Mm-hmm. There's just like a lot of really well-constructed shots and everything. Yeah. That utilize the space and the props and everything and. It's really good, actually, especially Mm -hmm. when we get into Hogwarts, where a lot of the location shooting were at um, really cool old uh, churches and stuff. Wow. Like real locations. Uh, I I believe the Great Hall, the Gryffindor Common Room, and 
the stairwell area. Oh, yeah. Those were constructed, but I think everything else was, like, real locations. Wow. Like, all the classrooms, all the hallways. Uh, And I I think they do a really good job of utilizing that space well, and there's a lot of good shots in it, so. Yeah. But... (laughs) So what's happening? What's happening in Diagon Alley? Harry uh, gets his wand. Harry goes shopping. Yes. <laughs> well, first he gets his money. Money. Yeah, he gets a lot of money, which is great for him. A mysterious package is picked up by Hagrid from a mysterious vault that he can't talk about. Yeah. Um, and then we get Harry's robes done. There's a little scene in the book where Harry actually meets Draco. Yep. And they have a little interaction b- before Draco even knows who Harry is. And then Harry gets his wand. Which was a cool scene. I really like the scene where he's picking out his wand. Yeah. And Ollivander being like mysterious and like it being very interesting. And the scene in the movie, I like how when he's trying out wands, like things explode or catch on fire or whatnot. The only thing I couldn't help but think of like Hagrid was like, oh, you have to go to Ollivander's. That's the only place to get a wand. And it's fucking dead. Like no one is (laughs) there. No one else is in the store. In both the book and the movie. And I'm like... I'm like, I get wanting to focus on Harry in this moment and it'd be like a special thing. But, but I'm like, everyone is school shopping. There would be like tons of. Yeah, people. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was just a funny kind of detail thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Harry gets all the shit that he needs. Yeah. And he also gets clued in a little bit more to his backstory from Hagrid. Yeah. His parents were killed by Voldemort. Yep. And then the recoiled spell killed Voldemort. Mm-hmm. You all know this. <laughs> we don't need to tell you. Then in the book. Harry goes back to live with the Dursleys for another month. Yeah. He's like, okay, thanks, Hagrid. I'm just going to live here for another month. (laughs) I'm like, that wouldn't be super awkward. That would be so awkward. After they abandoned them on that island without a boat. And like Dudley has a tail now. Oh, I did. That part was like really dark, but kind of funny. Because at one point. They have to get it removed. They have to go to London to get like it surgically removed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is kind of also feeling like very rolled doll and a funny yeah. like comedic twist. Like it was brought there by magic, but then they have to get it like surgically removed. Yeah. And in the movie, they're like, OK, let's not have Harry go back to no. the Dursleys after that. That's weird. But then they still have to solve the problem of like Harry needs to run into the Weasleys when he's at the station. So instead, they just have Hagrid bring him there and be like, Okay, gotta go by, and Hagrid doesn't even tell him how to get to the station nine and three quarters. No, and I'm no. like that's very uncharacteristic for Hagrid because he's like very invested and cares about Harry. And I he know. Would never just leave him at the station at the very end. I'm like, this is the end of the race, man. Like, just get I him know. to the train. <laughs> yeah, just tell him how to go there. The thing I'm curious about because like this movie condenses Harry's birthday to basically being the day they leave. Yeah, and I'm like, do the other movies do that? Because Ah. The books aren't really set up that way. His birthday's more in the middle of the summer. Yeah. But in the now we've established in this movie his birthday's like right before Hogwarts. Oh, that's true. Interesting. And I can't remember in any of the other movies whether it's like that or not. I guess so. we'll get there when we get there. Because that's kind of something they probably should have followed. Yeah. If they do. But I don't know if that would fuck anything up in the books. I don't know. Hmm. Well, maybe we have to talk about it again if we do another one of these. I yeah. Don't know. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but Harry gets on the Hogwarts Express thanks to the Weasleys. Yes. And there he meets Ron and Hermione and Neville. Yes. We get... The cast of everybody, he mm-hmm. runs into Draco again as well. He 
And Ron, this is like really the moment where he and Ron become friends. I really liked their connection here. Yeah. Because like Harry grew up basically poor. Mm -hmm. And by the way, major shout out in the props department for Harry's costume at the beginning. I mean, he's got these huge pants cinched yeah. up, this big shirt. They he really looks real dumb. They, he looks real dumb. <laughs> they, they don't they lean they lean into that. Yeah. Uh, but he and Ron kind of connect with like kind of being poor and like not growing up with a lot. Yeah. Uh, but Harry's like, hey, I got fat stacks now. Give me all the candy. <laughs> yes. I'm going to buy us all a bunch of candy. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the role of money. Yeah. In at least this book. I know it comes up later. But I feel like Harry really is like a Cinderella story. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like literally he's like sleeping under the stairs. He's basically sleeping in the fireplace like Cinderella. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and doing cooking the Dursleys breakfasts for them, you know? Yeah. Um, he has nothing. He's literally like the discarded part of their family. And then through magical means, he becomes wealthy. He becomes mm -hmm. rich. Cinderella, you know, marries a prince, but Harry becomes a wizard and realizes that he had this magical family. Mm -hmm. So kind of like, you know, that lost prince type story where yes. he's really part of this other family that's like better. Yeah. And even though they're dead, they still kind of provided for him. And so he has this money now. I just think it's really interesting. And also to bring up the fact that even in the wizarding world, there's poverty. Yeah. And I'm also very curious, having not remembered much about the books, I'm like, where did his parents get all that money? Because it seems like a lot of money, not just like, yeah. it seems kind of like a small fortune. And I'm like, what did his parents do to get that? I don't know if that's ever explained. Maybe it's not as much money as I think it is, mm -hmm. but it looks like a lot. It does. And it, to Harry's eyes, it looks Absolutely. like a lot of money. Um, and I think it's interesting, too, because J.K. Rowling herself, you know, lived in poverty for a lot yeah. of her life. I mean, when she was first writing these books, she's, you know, gone on the record many times to say that when she was first writing Harry Potter, you know, she was a single mother yeah. living on welfare and like government housing, you know, paycheck to paycheck or, you know, welfare check to welfare check, trying to get by. And then this book and the later books became, you know, her own Cinderella story. Yeah. I mean, she earned yeah. it, but like it really transformed her, you know, and it transformed her life. And I think when she's writing this first book, she's talking about poverty and not just poverty, but like just being aware of money and, and the, not the having a lot and that yeah. class difference. Yeah. And really talking about that a lot in comparing Draco's family to Ron's family specifically. Yeah, I really like those themes in this first book that like yeah. you immediately like like Harry's like, oh, wow, the wizarding world is awesome. But like it's got its shit, too. Yeah. Like you said, like there is still like, uh, you know, a kind of a class system like mm -hmm. Ron's family's poor. Draco makes fun of him for that. Like having like a lot of kids. Yeah. And that kind of being something that like, oh, like all you Weasleys and like that kind of being looked down upon like a poor family having a lot of kids. Yeah. Even though they provide for them. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. So I, I really liked getting that having been touched upon a lot in this story. And, and it's interesting because like the racism thing comes up in later books. Yeah. With like the pure blood. But in this book, it's not mentioned at all. That's true. It's actually yeah. more about class in this book. Yeah, it is. And I mean, like, I think it's, kind of hinted at, you know what I mean? Even though she doesn't dive into it in this one, mm -hmm. kind of like some wizarding families are better than others or, yeah. you know, so 
Yeah, it is. It's interesting, but I'm glad you brought that up. It, like you said, it's a Cinderella story, except like it's the end of the first act. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Uh huh. And then it's like a whole new slew of problems. Yeah, it's a totally different story after that. Yeah. So, Hogwarts Express gets to gets to Hogwarts. Makes it. Makes it. They all the first years go out on the boats, see the castle, and then we enter the. The castle, we enter the the Great Hall, which I was reading about. It was super interesting. The Great Hall, when they built it, I mean, it's one set and they kept it around for all the years they shot. Wow. And they said that they actually used like really good like stone, like for the floor and everything. And which was really good idea because like that lasted the entire filming of like the entire series. Wow. With like all the extras walking across it and film crews and like all this other stuff. Like it was like really well made. That's awesome. That was kind of cool. Uh, and then we get the sorting hat. It's time for the sorting hat. Uh, tragically, no sorting hat song in the movie. No. Actually, it's not It's not tra- tragic. That would have been really weird if they had. <laughs> it probably would have been. <laughs> but, you know, the sorting hat is there to determine the personality of an 11-year-old. And I know. To make, determine what they'll be like for the rest of their <laughs> high school career and into their adult lives as well. Something I thought that was interesting was the book alludes to the fact that and I mean maybe it's more of an illusion maybe it's kind of confirmed but like uh the whole the hat speaking to Harry part yeah was like in his head yeah and not spoken out loud which mm-hmm. is interesting to think about like each kid maybe went through their own thing yeah like that mm-hmm. you know even though maybe it maybe looked like a moment like maybe there was kind of like an internal monologue yeah well, and maybe Harry wasn't special by him being like mm, where I do I put know. you like <laughs> well he in the book it does say like sometimes the hat was on their head for a while yeah before the hat would say and sometimes it would just touch their head briefly and be like yeah. Slytherin Ravenclaw wherever so the hat is clearly like thinking it through for other characters as well, not just Harry. Yeah. And maybe that's good because in the movie and book, Harry's like, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And the hat's like, no, oh, not Slytherin. Slytherin. Like out loud. They're a bunch of bitches, you say. <laughs> <laughs> he would challenge them all to a fight. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, obviously Harry ends up in Gryffindor. And the other thing I couldn't help but think of, like there's a lot of personality things, obviously to each house. And, like, the Ravenclaws are very studious and intelligent. And I'm like, how did Hermione not end up there? I know. And I know there's, like, an explanation out there. I'm sure. There's a million. And also, I'm sure she's also brave. I know she's also brave. And that's cool, too. Yes, but many people are brave. Many people, yeah. That doesn't mean you're in Gryffindor house. I think her defining quality is probably her intellect. Yeah. And her her studiousness. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I'm not saying the house system is rigged and full of shit, but. <laughs> so what house are you in? I just found out today. I did the Pottermore test and I am a Ravenclaw. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> what was that? That reaction? <laughs> I mean, I just wouldn't expect that. Mm, mm. Well, what are you? Um, so I took the test one time and it said I was a Hufflepuff. And then I took the test another time and it said I was a Gryffindor. Mm. So I would be inclined to agree with my first result because I feel like if you know even some of the questions, it might affect your answers the second time. Yeah. Was it was the first one Pottermore? Yes. Okay. Because that is the only one that counts yeah. now. <laughs> it was both on Pottermore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so probably Hufflepuff. Nice. So now we know where we stand. Yeah. I think 
we can get along as Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Like, we're, like, always out of the shit that's know, going we're on. like, okay, whatever. We just stand back and watch Gryffindor and Slytherin tear each other apart, like, exactly. every year. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're partying. Like, Oh, yeah, just having a good... We're enjoying school. We're the yeah. ones enjoying it, Adina. <laughs> we're the ones actually getting an education <laughs> and not passing classes by... Uh, defeating, like, dark wizards every other year. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about here. Seems like a good moment where we're introduced to all the student characters, all the teachers. Let's talk about the casting. Yes. Because, you know, I think to an extent, I think it's fair to say that the first two movies in this franchise kind of get glossed over the most. Yes. They're very similar in tone and aesthetic and everything. And very faithful to the movie or to the books. They don't do anything super differently. No. And I think they're actually I'm surprised by how much how solid the first one is compared to my memories of it. Yeah. Uh, But I do think they kind of get the most forgotten. But the one thing that the first movie did that can never be taken away from it, that it doesn't get credit for is the casting. Yeah, they cast Everyone. They cast literal almost everyone yeah. that was going to be reappearing for the entire franchise. The kids, the t- teachers, like everyone. Yeah, so, and everyone stuck with it. Like they didn't have to switch anybody out besides Dumbledore, who yeah. just died, and so they had to. Yeah, yeah, and I, so I mean, I think they did a remarkable job. Chris Columbus did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed uh, Home Alone, mm-hmm. and. I think the first, both Home Alones, the first two, and a, co- a couple other movies. Um, he, was no, he was known for family movies, but they specifically hired him because he had experience working with kid actors. Mm. Um, so he had a big part in um, casting the children. And he specifically wanted Daniel Radcliffe because he had appeared in um, a movie, David Copperfield, mm-hmm. uh, previously before this. And he was like, that's the kid. He's like, I can just tell he's like, he's Harry Potter. Wow. And the, his parent, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's parents didn't want him to do it at first. Uh, they just didn't want him to focus on acting. But yeah. I guess they convinced them with bags of cash. <laughs> <laughs> bags of money. Bags of money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think that the casting for the kids is really good. And especially because the kids really grow into their roles. It's shocking. Um, They do do a pretty amazing job throughout some more than others, but, um, and then the professors as well are really great. I mean, McGonagall, Snape. Oh, I mean, Alan Rickman. Yeah. He just owns every scene he's in. He is so good. And obviously Maggie or, um, (laughs) Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. I almost Mm -hmm. said Maggie Gyllenhaal and then I couldn't think of it. (laughs) Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, Hagrid, um, Coleman, I think is his last name, who plays Hagrid. He's phenomenal. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, Just, I mean, everyone is really solid, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the weakest might be Harry himself in this first movie. Yeah, he's not that good. He's not. And I feel bad (laughs) saying that, because, I mean... He has the most to do. He does. And he also has to be, like, sympathetic without having any one trait to really... Like, he's not the funny guy. He's not the smart one. He's not... He's just kind of the one who goes, wow, looking at everything for two hours. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of kids, though, you got to talk about Draco, too. We do. I honestly think he's the best in this movie. He is. He really, he's so good. He's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, even just his expressions, like, you'll be, like, watching a scene, and in the background, you just see Draco, like, reacting 
Mm-hmm. He's just so funny. Oh, yeah. He just like his. I mean, he has a range, too, from being like a douchebag to being afraid to being yeah. like, you know, it's not just a one note kind of thing. He does like the comedic stuff really well. Yeah. And, uh, I, he's he really shines the most uh, in these early films. And mm-hmm. I think like. I think all these actors come into their own as the series went on. Yeah. Um, but he, at the beginning, I think, was like the standout in my mind. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Harry goes to school now. They have classes, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing that happens around this time is that Harry finds out he's damn good on a broom. Yes. This is like his calling. Yeah. And I thought it'd be interesting. I kind of wish they had done something with like, Maybe he did something when he was a like maybe he rode a bike a lot as a kid and that, like was good at that. Yeah, maybe something that like uh, wizarding families wouldn't do as much. Maybe that would like help him a little bit with like I don't say they I don't think they needed to do that, but like that maybe would have been interesting to give like some context into why he's like good at this thing that other kids have been doing like their whole childhood. That's true. But and maybe there is maybe if you ask J.K. Rowling, she'd be like, oh yeah, no, you um. He, he rode a bike. <laughs> <laughs> he did ride a bike. That's why. <laughs> uh, it was Dudley's and it was too big for him. <laughs> Harry Potter retcon number 279. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but basically, Harry becomes the youngest seeker in 100 years. Yes. It's very exciting. And um, what, what happens next? <laughs> uh, he gets taught how to fly in the rules of Quidditch and stuff. And we'll get to the Quidditch fight. But yeah. The Quidditch fight. You know, when they fight in Quidditch. (laughs) When they just speed at each other and try to impale each other. When they hit each other with brooms. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, There's also a part in the book where Malfoy challenges Harry to a midnight duel. Yeah, and then doesn't show up. Like a bitch. (laughs) Yeah, and then like tries to get them in trouble. I thought this was weird, though, because I'm like, do they know any spells? Yeah, what are they going to do with the, the duel? Yeah. I mean, but it would be like kids... To like show up to challenge each other with literally zero like ability to do anything. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Oh, it's Halloween. It's Halloween, which is like, are all Harry Potter movies Halloween movies? It feels like they are, but also Christmas movies. Also Christmas movies, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Are they more Christmas movies or Halloween movies? Well, they always play them on ABC Family slash Freeform Mm -hmm. around the holidays. And there yes. are Christmas scenes in them, but they do have this autumn feel they to do. them. And the whole like witchcraft witches thing is very yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Oh, God. But they do. There's a lot of snowy, like Christmassy time. Yeah. Good time stuff. But then so. the third movie, basically the whole movie is just Halloween the whole time. You mean like aesthetically? Yeah. Yeah, aesthetically. <laughs> but the second one is like all about snakes and spiders and like spooky stuff. Yeah. So... I would say they lean more into the Halloween. Okay. So. We'll tentatively agree on the Halloween. (laughs) Put a pin in that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's Halloween for real. And coincidentally, it's almost Halloween now when we're recording this. Yeah. And a troll has become loose in Hogwarts. As informed to us by a fainting Professor Quirrell. Yes. And there was a a moment before this where Ron was shit-talking Hermione Yeah. And let's talk about this real briefly, because, like, they do have an interesting dynamic at the start. Yeah. Where it's Harry and Ron, like, thick as thieves, like, really good at the start. And Hermione's kind of, like, around. And she's kind of annoying to them. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of, like, I don't know. 
I think it's a really good, accurate representation of, like, when you're kids. Yeah. And, like, you know, they're 11. So it's, like, a girl, like, being friends with a girl may seem weird to, like, certain kids, Mm -hmm. you know, in that phase of uh, growing up. Yeah. So, but Hermione's very upset and runs to the bathroom. Yeah, they're also just, like, mean to her, though. Like, especially Ron. Like, he's just an asshole. And I'm like, "Uh, I'm sorry, Ron, that literally Hermione is better at every single thing than you are. (laughs) She is. Get over it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Ron. She's trying to, she's trying to help him, (laughs) She was literally trying to help him, but she's just better than him at everything. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But so... When the when they're being evacuated, which by the way, in the in the movie at least, Dumbledore is like, okay, here's what we're gonna do: all the students go one way, and all the teachers will go a different way, <laughs> and that will just be fine. We will divide all the students and teachers during this time of crisis. <laughs> of course, Harry and Ron have to go find Hermione and warn her, and that's where they come upon the troll in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry heroically tries to save Hermione. And shoves his wand up the troll's nose, uh, piercing his brain and killing him instantly. <laughs> That's my theory. That's not exactly what happens, but it's basically what happens. Well, when the troll gets knocked out and he falls face first, I'm like, that wand could Probably have... went straight. <laughs> Harry's wiping brains off of it. Like, yeah, straight up into the brain. totally knocked out. He's fine. He'll wake up. <laughs> Ron helps with his uh, Leviosa charm. Which I was annoyed. If I... Like, thinking back on the movie, I had thought it was Hermione who did that. Yeah. And I'm like, it should have been Hermione. It should have. I get, like, Ron was struggling with that spell earlier, so it's nice to see him, like, achieve it. Yeah, but no one cares about Ron, though. No. I want (laughs) to see Hermione do it, because she's way better at it. Exactly. And then, I thought it was weird. Hermione lies when they get caught by the teachers. Yeah. And says, oh, I went to fight it, and they saved me. I was like, why did she have to lie? Yeah, she could have just been like... I was crying in the bathroom. And or then- just, I was using the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no one thought to come and tell me. <laughs> and Harry and Ron came to tell me that we had to get out of here. Yeah. And that's where the troll was. Yeah, she didn't have to be like, I'm going to take this bullet. And they're like, no, Hermione, stop. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a part of the team now. <laughs> um, but so we get like little hints that like Snape's leg is clearly injured at this point and also we know there's a three-headed dog yeah on the third floor i want to take a brief hot second to just say that the cgi in this movie is a little mixed it is but it is 2001 2001 i know very early it is and like for the most part it all holds up pretty well it does i mean there's some scenes where you're like "Mm," and some of the flying scenes especially where you're like uh but considering how awful cgi is Throughout the 2000s mm-hmm. and even into like the late 2000s and the 2010s as well. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. And I mean, even like they animate a lot of uh, the kids like on broomsticks. Yeah. And, like they animate like figures in clothing with like those physics and everything. Like they're a little rubbery and a little weird, but like pretty good. It works. Like overall, like, yeah, really quite solid. And I actually read the director was like kind of upset about the CGI. He didn't think it was, like, up to the level he wanted it to be. Wow. And kind of said it was, like, rushed and everything. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I thought it was, like, really solid overall. I know. Better than a lot of other movies I've seen. Honestly, hey, the Harry Potter franchise has some of, I think, the best CGI. Like, the, not only just, like, the t- like the level of the graphics, but also the way they're incorporated into the movies. It's not overused. It's not. And when it is used... Like, when the troll was attacking Hermione and, like, hitting the bathroom stalls with his club, you could tell 
that the stalls breaking was physical. Yeah. And then the troll was added. So you still felt the impact of those blows. Yes. And I thought that was all like really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Harry has a Quidditch match and almost falls off his broom because someone is cursing him. Everybody thinks it's Snape, but of course we find out later it's not. And I just want to point out that in the movie, they have Dumbledore sitting at the Quidditch match. Oh, yeah. And he just does nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, the whole point of, like, the second Quidditch match was, like, Dumbledore was there. Yeah. So it wouldn't happen again. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, they're like, yep, he's just sitting there watching the game, like, la, la, la. And Harry is, like, up inches from death. Dumbledore is pretty checked out, like, this whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, even at the end, he's like, ah, yes, this was... Essentially, my what whole an adventure. plan. <laughs> what a time. Yeah. <laughs> you kids. <laughs> Give me some candy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, can we just talk real quick, though, about Quidditch a little bit? Sure. Does it make sense? No. It doesn't, it doesn't, does it? No. At least, like, not in the movies. Like, in no. the book, they say Quidditch matches can go on a long time. Mm-hmm. And... Like, in that instance, maybe when there's a ton of points accumulating, yeah. then the snitch catching doesn't become as, like... That's it? The only thing that matters. Yeah. Because in the movies, that's how it basically feels. It's like, oh, yeah, you have the keepers and the... Se- you have the keepers and the bludgers and the... Mm-hmm. The, the quaffers and... <laughs> the chasers. The chasers. <laughs> uh, but they're all doing... It doesn't matter, though. It's like a whole separate game. It's just, like, to entertain you while two guys, like, chase a little golf ball around yeah you know what I mean it's kind of like what what does anything else matter I don't know I don't understand any sports so I'm not shocked that I don't understand Quidditch and I think there's like maybe pot like I'm sure it it, J.K. Rowling has like made it made sense talking about it in the future but like yeah I I don't know the whole rules of it are just like okay clearly Harry is the most important person like by far yeah (laughs) like no one else hardly matters absolutely I can see, like, if one team's way ahead where catching the snitch wouldn't matter, then, like, maybe one seeker has to stop the other one from catching it. Well, and, like, that ends the game. Yeah. It would be interesting if, like, that didn't end the game. Mm. Yeah. Like, you had to maybe play to a certain amount of points or something. Yeah, because... Or a certain time limit. So then, like, however many times you could, you could, like, infinitely catch the snitch. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. Because, like... The one game in this book ends, like, in, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Everyone's probably like, God damn it. What? <laughs> I brought snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even open my Swedish fish. <laughs> so, I, I, don't, I just thought we should address that now, since it's the introduction to Quidditch. Yes. Let's talk about how this book feels kind of like a mystery novel. It is. It's like, that's what these books are at its core, actually, which is very interesting. Yeah, and I love that, and I think that's why they're so engaging. Yeah. Especially for kids who are, like, really desperate to figure out what the mystery is. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the first book probably captured people a lot because there was that twist at the end when we find yeah. out who's actually behind everything. And I don't think people were, like trying to figure it out in that way and they're no, like, oh, you're like shit. oh it's a kid's book like whatever but it really is like intricately plotted it is there's a really good video we'll link to it on patreon by the youtube channel just right and he talks about um harry potter novels as mystery novels oh wow and the thing he talks about that i think is the most interesting is how they are very fair in terms of when you find out what's going on at the end mm-hmm 
everything was well laid out. It falls into place. Yes. And you don't feel cheated. Like, you don't feel like there's this sudden twist out like, of nowhere. Oh, that like, No one could have figured out. You're like, ah, eh, shit. There was, like, a lot of reasoning behind this and like the 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 breadcrumbs were there and I just like didn't notice or pick up on them and mm-hmm. so I I do really like them in that sense as well. Yeah, Harry, Hermione and Ron are piecing together this whole mystery of the sorcerers or philosopher's stone. They find out info from Hagrid, they find out info on their own, figure out the Nicholas Flamel connection. And they kind of figure everything out on their own. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks in large part to Hagrid, who just yeah, keeps who cannot shut out. up. <laughs> I also I couldn't help but the the one weird quality about this story though, in both versions, that sticks out to me is like Nicholas Flamel is like a very talked about character, and you never meet him. No, and I don't I don't remember, but I feel like you never do in the series. No, because he dies. Yeah, well, you don't know how long he has left to live. It's kind of very vague. Yeah. You just know he's going to die. But, like, you know, you find out, oh, Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. And, like, oh, Dumbledore at the end is like, yeah, I talked to Nicholas. And, like, he's <laughs> he's talked about a lot. But yeah. I'm like, it's weird that he doesn't show up in any capacity. It is weird. It's kind of odd, but... It's around Christmas time and uh, Harry gets an invisibility cloak so he can sneak around extra well at night in the halls. Yes. And he discovers the mirror of Erised where he sees his dead parents and he's like, I forgot to be sulky about being an orphan. <laughs> it's, it is sad. It is. It is, though. And I will say he's not as sulky in this m- movie as others, potentially. But yeah, um, the mirror is kind of interesting, but also not. you mean like this part of the story yeah yeah and also it's tie-in at the end is kind of weird loose yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it is loose you know you don't necessarily i don't know it is a weird thing though that kind of comes up again and again in the harry potter series is one thing being another yeah we talked about just before we started recording about the sorting hat uh in the later books and You know what I mean? There's kind of like a duality to a lot of magical objects kind of serving different purposes. Yeah. And there's also this like lesson of like, be careful of magic and some magic items as well, Mm -hmm. because it might seem like they're giving you what you want, but it's not to be trusted. I did like what Dumbledore said about how it gives you neither knowledge nor truth. Yeah. So I really, yeah, you know, it was, it was a good scene. It doesn't, it sets up a little bit at the end, but that's about it. There's a whole subplot, more in the book, but also in the movie, with Hagrid and the dragon egg. <laughs> I know. In the movie, it's, like, fine. Yeah, but it's this one is scene, but... a little bit out of the blue and kind of off the rails a little bit for the story. I agree. Um, and actually, I found a review from, like, I think the New York Times or something like that, New York Book Review, in, like, 1999, and it was reviewing the Harry Potter story, Mm. the first one. And the reviewer was like, it was great, except at the end, like, it didn't really make sense. And what the reviewer was specifically saying was that it didn't make sense that Hagrid would let Harry get in trouble for something that was his fault. I agree. I thought of that too. He was like, the reviewer was basically like, we've seen from Hagrid that he's like super supportive of Harry, loves him almost like a son, you know, is very like protective of him. And at the end, his reaction when Harry 
you know, almost gets killed is so extreme. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, the fact that Harry got into huge trouble and lost all these points for Gryffindor for being out at night when he yeah. was, Harry was just trying to, like, get the dragon to safety for Hagrid. Yeah, in in the book, yeah. So... And, like, I just don't think Hagrid would ever let Harry do that to begin with. No, to put himself at risk. No, like, dragons are fucking illegal, and he's like, no, yeah, just take it into the school at night. And then you take the fall. Yeah, because Hagrid then is the one who helps, like, serve the detention that Harry... Yeah. And it's, like, never talked about in no. the book. Mm-hmm. Um, in the movie, uh, they get caught... I think just coming back. Well, I guess they, they're coming back from Hagrid's hut. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah. So I guess even then it's kind of Hagrid's fault. Yeah. Because he was seeing them at night when he shouldn't have been. But like they imply that like, oh, Dumbledore is sending the dragon away. So like Hagrid was probably like chastised in some way. Yeah. Like, but it handles it a little better in the movie because they're like, let's move this along. Y- yes. It felt like way kind of like, OK, what is this leading to? What is this about? It kind yeah. of doesn't matter. But yeah. And I mean, it does like reveal to us that whoever's trying to sneak into underneath Fluffy to get the Sorcerer's Stone has found out through Hagrid. Yes. And I did like how Harry figures that out later. Yeah. When he's like, wait, that's really weirdly coincidental that Hagrid ran into a person with a dragon egg and then like. But while it's happening, it feels like so out of the blue and out of nowhere. Yeah, it does. I think in the movie, they probably kept it in part to like. This is the first one. Let's get people excited about magic. And there's dragons there's and dragons. broomsticks. And yeah. So like that, it probably was a little bit like that. Like, But also this movie is like over two and a half hours long. It's really long. They could have probably cut the dragon plot. And I will say, like, I feel like this movie is really, really good. I want to say up until around Christmas. Yeah. And the Mirror of Erised. Yeah. And then it kind of like drags after that it does and i can't say what specifically about it like maybe you're just fatigued yeah um but i i I don't know at that point like i wasn't as captivated by a lot of the cinematography or like the story and the beats going on yeah because we have a lot of really elaborate and impressive scenes we have all the quidditch scenes Mm -hmm. we have you know the classrooms harry finding out he's a wizard all of that um and then the halloween scene obviously and then you're just kind of like, okay, and now there's dragons. All right. And now, it, I don't know. I, I, I agree. It's just kind of, yeah. I It's hard to pinpoint what feels like is slowing it down, so to speak. But I just remember feeling that. Because, like, all up until Christmas part, I was, like, super captivated by it. And surprisingly, so I remember, like, wow, I'm enjoying this way more than I, like, remember. Yeah. But then after that, I'm just kind of like, eh. <laughs> yeah just kind of like ugh, just not very... like it was bad but no. it, it definitely it, it lags a bit it does yeah mm-hmm. uh so detention it, detention oh my <laughs> god talk about things that make zero sense in this story yes they they are in trouble for being out at night so they're like now go out at night <laughs> Go out at night with into hagrid. the woods with hagrid which you were told not to go into yes why does he need help? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what like none of this makes any four sense. Four eleven year olds are gonna do to help Hagrid track a unicorn. It's interesting though. In the book, Neville goes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the movie, it's Ron. 
Yeah, I kind of didn't realize, honestly, in the dragon portion of the book, when Harry and Hermione were sneaking it up. That I Ron wasn't there. Yeah, I didn't know Ron wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> He's that important to the story. <laughs> I just didn't. Because I remember thinking, I'm like, how are they fitting Harry, Ron, Hermione, and the dragon under all, the cloak. all under the cloak? <laughs> but I guess Ron wasn't there, so I guess that partly explains it. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that we get... And it's an amazing scene in the movie with yes. Malfoy. Oh, my God. This is like prime Malfoy. <laughs> His interactions with Filch. Oh, my God. Filch and Filch's expression. Oh, Filch is amazing. It's so good. And this is when Malfoy's like, when my father hears about this. I know. But you can tell he's like scared and doesn't want to do it. I love it. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, too, because like. Harry and Malfoy immediately get paired off in the movie. Yeah. And their interactions I love. Yes. Like Malfoy's kind of out of his element and scared and Harry's poking fun at him for it. And I mm-hmm. love that. Uh, but in the book, when they end up together, there's zero interaction, between interaction them. between them. And yeah. actually like the movie expanded on what the book kind of established. Like the book didn't really use that as a good opportunity. No. Like, oh, you have these two kids who have had this antagonistic relationship all year. And now they're like in this creepy in the creepy woods together. Yeah, alone. Yeah. But then they immediately like move on to something else. Move on and split apart. Yeah. When a swoopy a swoopy swoop a swoop. swoopy cloak man shows up. <laughs> he swoops all over the place. Uh he gets chased off by the centaur before he can attack Harry. And mm-hmm. I just want to say in the movie when he flies away, yeah. like <laughs> on the cable rig, there's something that's so funny about it to me. I laugh so hard anytime it happens. She's like, whoosh. He's <laughs> like, like, I'm gone. <laughs> I thought it was interesting in the book that the centaurs are in disagreement about how much to tell Harry. Yeah. About Voldemort. Ferenz, uh, the one centaur who helps him, is very candid with Harry and he's sort of like, listen. This is what happens when you drink unicorn blood. Who would you think could do this? <laughs> Who would be the only person? Just letting you know while the other unicorns are like, you know, we we can't tell him. We just have to let what's going to happen that the stars tell us like happen mm-hmm. and not intervene. So that was sort of interesting. Yeah, I liked kind Some of centaur politics. Yeah, it's like touching upon the larger world just outside of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And you also hear about like the Ministry of Magic and like things are like name dropped. Yeah. And it like hinted at in this book that it doesn't feel like you're being like you're not seeing stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a, too much of a setup for other books, but like it is. When, yeah. So it's very effective in that way. It is. After this whole thing happens is basically when you know, Harry figures out that Snape, who they believe is going to steal mm-hmm. the Sorcerer's Stone, is going to go for it. So they're like, we have to do it. And yes. Dumbledore's gone. And I just want to read Harry's speech when he's like, we have to do this. Okay. I really like it. It's short. It's just a little paragraph. So Hermione says, you can't. You'll be expelled. So what? Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets hold of a stone... Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? 
If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through the trapdoor tonight and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? I just think, like, it's so good. Yeah, I I agree. It's really heavy for a children's story, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it puts things in so much perspective when he's like, do you think... If Gryffindor wins the House Cup, it'll stop you from being murdered. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and I think it's a good moment to establish like who Harry is at his core, especially yeah. in this series. And he, who he has to be. Yeah, and I think he's the one who has like the most perspective on what there is to lose. Exactly. And what's really important in these stories. Because mm-hmm. Hermione, I think her tendency would be to focus just on her schoolwork school. and like being good mm-hmm. and like not like breaking the rules. And I think Ron would not be interested in like saving the day or doing anything like that. Yeah. And so I think Harry is that core person who like pulls them into this and is like, we have to do something because it's like important and it affects all of us. Yeah. And he's standing up for something that's important, which I really like. I I just thought that speech was really good. No, that is, that is, I really like that one. Mm -hmm. So they figure out what's happening. They go to Fluffy who is fast asleep in the movie. Yeah. um, From a harp and they manage to jump through before it eats them. You got the three headed dog. You got the plants. Yeah. <laughs> you got the keys. Mm-hmm. There's a troll in the book. There's chess. There's poison. That you got it all. Yeah. It's the trials. They just. I. I have a chess gripe to make, Adina. I what? think. I think. I'm a fan of chess. I like playing chess. And you're pretty good at it too. Eh. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm good enough to know I'm not that good. <laughs> is how I like to phrase it. But it was weird uh, in the movie. It's hard to, you never see the board, so it's tough to say. There's a weird moment when Harry, like, supposedly checks the king yeah. and walks towards it to do that. If, I don't know, I don't think that makes sense based on, like, what it seems like is happening. Yeah. Because he already would have had the king in check just by being in alignment with him. Mm-hmm. Like, him walking towards the king wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Um, and in the book, a really weird one, I don't think I'm misreading it. Ron is a knight, and when he sacrifices himself, it talks about him moving one square forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not how a knight moves. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that one's really basic. Yeah. Like, she got everything else right. Like, oh, white always goes first in chess and, like, everything else. But, like, Ron would not move one space ahead. (laughs) I don't know, unless I'm, like, not quite reading it right, but... Well, one thing in the movie that was weird to me is, like they have to, like, take the empty spots yeah. in the board that are already there. In the book, they're at least like, hey, tap out these characters that are already on the board, and you'll yes. stand in for them. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, they're like, oh, we just have three empty spots. Guess mm. we have to play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but Ron sacrifices himself. In the book, like, the horse, or in the movie, the horse he's on gets stabbed. Yeah. In the book, he gets fucking, like, slapped across the face by, like, a stone hand woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, really. I know. He's out cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. Um, In the movie, this is the last trial before the end, so Hermione stays back with Ron, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. In the, did I say in the book? No, you said the movie. Okay. I always, I get it right. And <laughs> you then, start, and then you're like, what happened? And then what did I say? <laughs> yeah, in the movie. In the book, Hermione and Harry move on to, like, 
they see another trial where a troll is already knocked out and then they go to a poison thing. Yeah. And I did like what Hermione said because it's really just a, a logics, logic puzzle. A logics puzzle. And Hermione's like, yeah, a lot of wizards don't have logic. Because <laughs> we're always like, do wizards know math? I know. Do they, though? Do they really? Do they teach math? We joke at the end, like, during the house cup thing when they're oh adding God. all the points. We just pictured, like, everyone, like, counting on their fingers and, like, wait, yeah. wait how many does that? <laughs> no, wait, but they're still behind. No. <laughs> like, no one knows I mean, what's going on. I mean, if you always have magic, then you might not know how to do things another way yeah fun fact actually all wands you can open them up and there's a little calculator <laughs> <laughs> that's just how they do magic. oh my god <laughs> or math not magic <laughs> uh before i have to say this now though adina i was gonna save it for lightning but i'm gonna say it now i don't know if you caught this or not or if you were aware of this. Ooh. I looked it up and it's true. Ooh. I know. I'm so excited. Other people have noticed this, so it's not the most crazy thing or new thing. But before Harry goes on to fight Quirrell, Hermione's like, Harry, like, you have this. Like, I believe in you. Like, you're a great wizard. Yeah. Harry has not cast one intentional spell the entire first movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Zero. Harry does not cast a single spell the entire time. How is he expecting to defeat Snape in there? <laughs> I don't. And because when Hermione says that, I'm like, is he though? I I'm feel like, like Hermione should have gone in there. She yeah. would at least be able to put that hex that she put on Neville. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see everyone else do magic. Harry does not cast. And I'm, I'm not counting like, oh, the disappearing glass at the beginning. Yeah. Or him like, like or yeah. him waving his wand around because he wasn't, like, trying anything. We see him trying to do uh, Leviosa. Yeah. Uh, and it's not working. That's, like, it. He can bring the broom up into his hand. But that's not, like, saying, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's but not, that's like, it. a spell. No. That's, like, a command. Yeah. He doesn't do a single spell this entire movie. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, he should have just left his wand in his bedroom. I know. It should be called Harry Potter and the boy who does zero spells <laughs> after an entire year in school. Excuse me. My parents promised me I'd learn witchcraft in this book. <laughs> I have not learned one spell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so that's the movie. I think in the book, like, he, he talks about doing spells and stuff. Like, in the movie, you never see him do it. Wow, that's crazy. I know. So... With that in mind, Harry <laughs> goes to mind, meet his With that in mind, Harry fate. faces his doom. <laughs> <laughs> he enters the next room where he... Bah, 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 it's Quirrell. It's Quirrell the whole time. And his uh, probably like fermenting, molding <laughs> <laughs> head Harry, turban. Harry does talk about how it smells. Yeah, like decomposing skin head. Yeah. Yeah. Face, skin, <laughs> back of the head. Yep. This Ugh. is where we find out that it's been Quirrell behind everything. Snape was actually onto him. Yeah. And was trying to stop him. Yada, yada, yada. And uh, yeah, it's real gross. Yep. And that's when we find out Voldemort is stuck to the back of his head. Yeah. I love when he's like, I'm never alone. Not really. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. <laughs> he's there when I shit, and it's very weird. <laughs> um, and we also see the mirror is down there. Yeah. And this is where 
I'll get into it when I get to the Dumbledore's explanation. Okay. But essentially, Quirrell's like, this mirror does something to get the stone. I know it. Yeah. And he wants to use Harry and Harry won't let him or, Harry, you know, doesn't want to. And then he, oh, I have the stone. Yeah. He sees in the mirror. Uh, commence the uh, <laughs> teacher trying to strangle he he has he has a wand in the movie, yeah. and he's just like I'm going right <laughs> through the throat, like <laughs> screw so, magic. Interestingly, though, in the movie, Quirrell can touch Harry, but Harry can't touch him. That is true because his hands don't hurt when he's strangling Harry. No, it's but when Harry when, touches him, that's a really good point. I never even like picked up on that. In the books, it doesn't like when Quirrell tw- touches Harry, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, in the book, like his hands just start blistering yeah. and hurting. He doesn't like disintegrate before Harry's eyes. That is pretty <laughs> dark in the movie. It, like it's very dark. It's pretty twisted how he's like, he's just crumbling to ash. Yeah. And then Harry's like, now's right, my go chance for the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going right for the eyes. Oh my and God. He, just, he murders a man. Yeah. He like intentionally murders a man. I mean, Quirrell dies off page in the book. Which I thought was weird. Yeah. It was kind of like... Oh, yeah. Left him to die. Yeah. What exactly happened to him? I feel like he was burning to death. And then Voldemort was like, peace. And then, like, Voldemort leaving his body probably left him too weak. Oh, yeah. Which I like in the movie we see what Voldemort leaving Quirrell looked like. Yeah. Because in the book, reading it, I'm like... What happened? Does a little man like pop out of him like, <laughs> yeah. like, like scurries <laughs> away? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm like, what does that look like? I don't. And maybe just malevolent dust. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. But Harry survives. Yeah. The ordeal. Wakes up in the hospital. Yeah. Dumbledore is there. He's like, man, that was fucking crazy, right? <laughs> and Dumbledore was like, yeah. I totally had everything under control. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the two things I wanted to, to mention were, it is kind of, so Dumbledore says, ah, yes, the whole, uh, my whole thing was that only someone who wanted the stone. But didn't want to use it. But didn't want to use it could get it. And my first question is, that sounds like a really foolproof safety thing, so did they really need six rooms of danger <laughs> before that? Six rooms of danger. Like, like if the very end is almost impossible yeah. to, I mean, maybe there could have been a way to get around it, but like, it seemed pretty foolproof. So did they really need <laughs> the obstacle course of insanity beforehand? It is very contrived. <laughs> it, I will agree. It really is. Yes. Like, it works well for a kid's book, mm-hmm. um, but it is very... Yeah, like you said, contrived. I did think it made a little bit of sense, though, in relationship to the mirror when he describes it in the book. Yeah. Because he says, in the, if you look in the mirror, someone who wants the stone, what they really want is the power. Yeah. They want either the elixir or they want gold, and mm-hmm. that's what they'll see. But it's really only the person who wants the, to stone, get the stone, the actual stone itself, mm-hmm. will see it and therefore get it. Yeah. So I'm like... Okay, I get it in that way, where if you want the power, you're seeing that. But if you just want it to protect it, you're, you'd be seeing the stone itself. Yeah. Which makes sense, I think, in the book a little bit. Like, that's kind of an explanation I can go with. It does. And Dumbledore explains some of the other stuff. It's interesting in the book, after Dumbledore leaves and Harry's talking with Hermione and Ron, Hermione makes the comment like, 
why did Dumbledore let this happen? <laughs> yeah. And this is, for me, a little foreshadowing mm-hmm. for the rest of the series as to, like, what are Dumbledore's motivations? What are his plans? Like, yeah. what is Harry in all this? So I thought that was just, like, kind of a little bit of an interesting nugget there. Yeah, because it's implied that, like, Dumbledore literally, like, almost, like, masterminded everything. Yeah. Almost, like, him leaving, like, he knew Harry would go down. At least that's Harry's theory. Yeah. Gave him the cloak so he could sneak out. Yeah, and it's, like, it's kind of a dick move. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, like, he's literally having an 11-year-old child face off with the murderer of his parents. Yeah. (laughs) And then forcing him to murder one of his teachers. Congratulations, Harry. You murdered a man. All right. Now you can move on to your second year of school. (laughs) 100 points to Gryffindor for Harry murdering someone. Speaking of Dumbledore making dick moves, (laughs) he lets the Slytherin students believe up until the very last moment that they won the House Cup before he's like, ha ha, suckers. (laughs) Change the banners to crimson yeah yeah he uh drops a whole stack of hot points <laughs> all over gryffindor a stack of hot points. <laughs> right at the very end and just takes the slithendor slither slytherin <laughs> the slithendor <laughs> takes wow. the slytherin house cup away from them like in front of the whole school yeah like you said, dick ma- move. major dick move. <laughs> Maybe this could be a reoccurring segment. Is yeah. Dumbledore's, Dumbledore's dick, dick moves. moves. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> uh, but everyone throws their hat up in the air because Slytherin lost and everyone's happy. And they have hats. And they all have hats in the book, which is so <laughs> funny to think about. Yeah. And then it's basically, I think it's so funny how all of this happens within the chapter, the last chapter of the book, yeah. which is the man with two faces, yeah, which is like the climax of the whole story. Mm-hmm. You'd think like the epilogue would be like its own chapter at least, yeah. But J.K. Rowling really like she wraps that she up. She wraps it up quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, and then the, the house cup, Gryffindor, All blah, right, blah, the blah, 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 the train. <laughs> <laughs> But we do get a moment with Hagrid Yeah. at the end. Hagrid was already like... Our favorite. Our favorite. He was like in tears when he found out what happened to Harry. Yeah. And felt so terrible. And then at the end, he gives him this photo album, which in the movie, he just gives it to him like, oh, maybe I've been holding on to this. Yeah. Which is still nice. Yeah. But you found out in the book that he like mailed people asking for photos. Yeah. Because Harry didn't have any photos of his parents. And he like assembled it into a, a book for him. Yeah. It's so... It's touching. And this, I feel like, will be another segment recurring, which is Hagrid... Hagrid is better than everyone Hagrid else. Hagrid is be- the best parent figure in Harry's life. Absolutely. And he gets, like... No recognition. Shit on by the end of the, the series, I think. Not shit on, but, yeah. like, really undervalued, I think, compared to a lot of other characters. Okay, so our recurring segments are <laughs> Dumbledore's a dick. Dumbledore's dick moves. Dumb- Dumbledore's dick moves. <laughs> Hagrid is the best. Yes. And Hermione is better than everyone else. Yeah. Smarter than everyone else. Smarter than everyone, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I can stand behind those. I think those will be worthy recurring themes. Cool. In the series. But, yeah, Harry gets on a train. He goes back home. Yep. And that's the end of Harry Potter and the Surfosopher's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> So which one's better? Oh, 
man. It's tough, actually. I haven't thought about this again. Um, cause you always say that, and I never believe you. I, I swear <laughs> to God. I'm always so focused on finishing the book and then trying to research stuff for the movie and like get all that stuff done. Yeah. And I forget the entire main premise of our podcast, <laughs> which is deciding without a doubt which version is better. Um, I think the book does have some points that drag a little bit, like the dragon part. Yeah. Seems very unnecessary. Uh, the movie does make up for that a little bit plot-wise. But really, the movie... The movie's really good for the first almost, like, two-thirds. Yeah. But the end really kind of drags. I think it's just, like, too long. It feels like it's not as creative with its cinematography and things by the end. And I'm just, like, as not as invested. So I'm going to say the book. I'm also going to say the book. I think the movie is actually too faithful. I agree. Agree, I think. I think it gets away with it pretty well. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely probably the most faithful out of any of the adaptations. Yeah, and I think it, it actually makes it suffer a little bit. It does drag a bit um, in the end, where the book still has that magic to it. There's a lot of character moments that I really love. A lot of really funny scenes mm-hmm. in the book. The humor is excellent. Um, I just love reading it. It's so fun. Yeah, and the characters in the story are incredibly well-defined and established. I remember the first scene with Dumbledore and McGonagall and Hagrid outside of Harry's house, their dynamic as they talk, like you quickly pick up on their qualities. Yeah. Like Hagrid's like kind of emotional, like giant with a heart. Yes. And him caring Dumbledore being kind of like mischievous, but also goofy. He's like eating his lemon drops. Yeah. But you know, he's powerful and McGonagall being very strict. And yeah, like, I don't know. She just does such a good job of like quickly establishing characters that you understand, but are still that, but still have depth. Yes. You know what I mean? They're not one dimensional, but you quickly kind of start to figure out who they are. Yeah. So I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's gotta be the book. Honestly, the book sometimes feels, I wish I, I know other books get way more bloated. Yeah. But I wish there was like a little bit more in this at points, mm-hmm. like the Draco Harry thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wish we had a little bit more, more with them. Of them. Yeah. I wish there was a little bit more at the end. It felt like a little rushed at the end. Yeah. Uh, with the kind of the, um, the epilogue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I, I think it's a solid book for me. Solid book. Let's lightning do, round. Let's do lightning. So first up for lightning, as we were watching the movie <laughs> at one point, like I thought I noticed something. I was like, that was weird. And then we kept watching and I was like, I don't know, maybe it was a mistake. And then we kept going and then I was like, hold on, wait. And I like, and Dina was like, what? I was like, well, then until I, I rewound it, I was like, watch Harry blink. And maybe this is more well known than I think it is. I don't know. There is a YouTube video on it and we will post it for sure on Patreon. And it's called Harry Can't Blink. Because in the movie, constantly, Harry blinks with only one eye. Yeah, he, he like, only like half blinks. He like his other eye. is winking constantly yeah he does it a lot yeah <laughs> and at first like the first time i noticed it i was like oh that's weird that could like happen to anyone but yeah. then it kept happening it's <laughs> like this is so weird and oh my god from what i read it happens most prominently i think in this movie okay a little in the second 
And then I think it like tapers off as he grows up. But like for some reason, his one eye just <laughs> will not close. I don't know if the one eye blinks more or he can't blink his other but like one eye's going like crazy and the other one's just staring oh my god we have to keep an eye out for this keep an eye out for this oh my god (laughs) in later movies yeah we should harry's harry's blinking eye watch that's the other recurring segment (laughs) so i just wanted to mention in the book uh the whole christmas part I really loved this part in the book because you really felt that sense. So Ron and Harry both stay at Hogwarts for Christmas and everyone else pretty much leaves for vacation with their family. Some students stay, but there's this like sense of magic. Like they have the dorm room to themselves. Yeah. The Gryffindor common room is almost empty. The Hogwarts is kind of empty. They can kind of like run around and do what they want. And all the Weasleys stay behind for Christmas. Yeah. And like, it, it feels nice. Cause he's like, Oh, Fred and George are there and Percy yeah. and like, they're all kind of joking around mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I, I really like this. And it's like, he says like by far the best Christmas he's ever had. Like he's super happy to stay behind. Yeah. It's really sweet. And then there's also this really great Christmas feast that everyone has in the great hall with the teachers and the students that stay. And Hagrid gets really drunk and ends up kissing professor McGonagall on the cheek. And she just giggles. <laughs> It's really know. cute. I love that part. Because <laughs> they're like shocked because she's so stern to them. Yeah, yeah. That they're shocked when she like giggles and laughs about it. I so. know. It's 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 funny. So something I forgot to mention that I thought was really interesting was like only having my movie remembrances yeah. of the series, the whole wizarding world being hidden, I kind of interpreted as like it would be like the world would be maybe be like hostile towards wizards uh-huh. if they knew about them or something. And I don't know. I don't keep up with like the recent Harry Potter lore, but I yeah. know there's stuff about like the Salem witch trials that like J.K. Rowling has tied in, which I think furthers that idea of that being dangerous. Yeah. But in this book, when Harry asks Hagrid, like, hey, why don't people know about this? And he's like, uh, if people knew there were wizards, we want them. They'd want us to solve all their problems for them. <laughs> so we just keep it like under wraps and i'm like what i was like that makes so much more sense yeah I'm like that is such a better explanation yeah then i'm like yeah like people would be like wait give me all of your magic how do i do magic like yeah. let me do it and it'd be like just a huge pain in the ass so i'm like i really like that explanation and i feel like the movies never touch on it no so i i i don't know i just thought that was like really interesting i do like that explanation as well yeah Uh, Another movie fact that I wanted to share is that the actor that plays the ghost, the fat fryer ghost, (laughs) which is the Hufflepuff ghost. So apparently this guy had a four movie contract (laughs) and he just shows up in one scene in this movie where he like comes out of the floor and is like, (laughs) and I guess they had other stuff filmed with him, but it was cut. From the first movie, yeah. you know, because of time. It was already, like, over two and a half hours long. Um, but then he never appeared in another movie. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's, like, curly from, like, the Three Stooges when he comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, apparently they filmed a bunch of stuff with Peeves. Oh, really? Yeah, but he, like, I think he shows up one second in, like, the third movie. But, oh, my like, gosh. He, like, never shows up in this in Yeah, this I know movie. that he's not really in the movies at all. No. So, so yeah. That was the- lightning round, or should we say lightning scar round? Oh. 
<laughs> that was dumb. No, it's fine. It's fine. It was good. You worked with what you had. I did. I did. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you want to hear us do the other books in the series, please send us an email. Let us let know, us know. Let us know your thoughts on the movies, on the books. Yeah. And any other adaptations you want us to do mm-hmm. or you're thinking about, you can email us at coveredcreditspod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Cover2Credits with the number two. Mm-hmm. And we're on Instagram as well. And you can find us on Patreon. If you would like to support us, we have a wonderful community of listeners who support us over on Patreon. Keeps growing. Yeah, it's really amazing. And we are so thankful to each and every one of you. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We love it. Um, and we would like to say that everyone who's a patron on Patreon does get first priority for any episode requests that they might have. Yes. So if you're a patron, now's your chance. Hit us up. Let us know what you want us to do for an episode. And if you'd like us to do an episode and you're not a patron, consider joining us on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, we don't like doing ads in the podcast if mm-hmm. we can avoid it. And like the Patreon, uh, income really helps us like not have to do that and like, you know, backs a lot of the costs of doing this. So mm-hmm. we really appreciate it. And if you can't do that, then leaving us a rating or review on um, Apple Podcasts is really appreciated. I think iTunes is officially dead. <laughs> RIP, long live iTunes. <laughs> uh, it's all the same, though. All the ratings and stuff, like, just carry over to that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, drop us a star rating. It, it really helps us with our rankings and how we appear mm-hmm. uh, to people. And, uh Thanks again for listening and thank you so much. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.